Hey, my name is Crispina French, and promoting creative textile reuse is my jam. I'm an OG textile alchemist, worked my way through art school making ragamuffins from thrift store sweaters way back in the 1980s. That college side hustle grew into a full-fledged business, and here I am today to show you how to do it too. Stick around for all the things helping to navigate both the chaotic and dreamy chapters of building your profitable textile upcycling business. We'll talk material sourcing, business savvy, product development, marketing, and self-care. Gloss over the hard parts? Not here. Experience, lessons, and know-how. Deep dive into the struggles, wins, and rewards of running your sustainable textile upcycling business. Think of this as your favorite craft class mixed with environmental business school. Are you ready to be inspired, energized, and supported? This is the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. This episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast is brought to you by The Unruffled. The Unruffled is a vibrant and feminine collection of slow-made garments and accessories handmade with love by Sandra Primo. Sandra is based in Austin, Texas, and every item she makes is thoughtfully constructed from finely sourced, reused textiles, favoring silks and lace and crochet. Bespoke, one of one, encouraging an infinite circle of recovery. Step into the world of The Unruffled at www.theunruffled.com. And visit the show notes page for this episode at Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com for links and more information. Okay, Kathleen Tesnakis, I am so excited to welcome you to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. It's such a great thing to have you here. Um, We've known each other for a really long time, and that is one of the reasons I'm so excited to hang out with you and share a little bit about what you bring into the world of textile upcycling. And, you know, sometimes I get really wrapped up in the whole environmental aspect of what that means to me. That's a really important feature for me. But there's also this other piece of it that I really would love to kind of focus on with our conversation, and that is what we bring as makers and specifically what you bring with your amazing business called Ecologic based in Troy, New York, um, what you bring to your customers and how that serves you and them and the wild world that we all share. So yeah, talk a little bit about what you make and why you make it. Okay, this is such a great question. I'm really excited to be here, Crispina. And I just, you know, as you said, we've known each other for such a long time. Ever since I started working, I mean, you were the only person in the world that was um, had passion about the same thing and was doing it. And somebody said to me, have you seen this uh, Crispina's work? And I was just blown away. So I was so happy when you found me at um, on the jury of New York gift. So that was, gosh, 20, 25 years ago or something like that. Um, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, I, I found, uh, you know, uh, um, a spirit sister, which is so amazing. And now we have any more. I mean, that's why I'm so excited to be on your podcast, Crispina, is because you're creating more spirit sisters and brothers out there for all of us and super exciting. Um, but anyway, oh. uh, 
to talk about my work, uh, I am a recycling uh, designer, and I specifically recycle old cashmere sweaters that are coming from my New York City community. And I transform those uh, by manipulating the washing and manipulating the material. And once I have deconstructed, I begin reconstructing and revisioning into uh, my wearable art. Um, And this has been such an exciting place for me to do work um, as an artist because I'm really passionate about the environmental message and awareness of each other in the world. I I think this probably started um, during my childhood in India when I would go to different cottage industries with my mother and just really understood the power of handmade and what it can do for people in the world. And what it did for me was it gave me a vehicle to express my passion for the environment and to try to trigger people into awareness through a beautiful quality remade item. That's amazing. I love that. And, you know, for those of people out there who are not familiar with Ecologic, um, you're main uh product are is clothing and accessories you make beautiful sweaters and hats and uh, gloves and as well as as dresses and skirts and like really fashion is your thing and is that fair to say yes no absolutely and you know what's yeah what's weird about sort of the fashions that i create is there is an element of healing that is going with those items um an element of empowerment um and expressing individuality and I, I really truly believe that if you are bold enough to wear fashions that really um represent yourself and and represent your style or expression, then you're more likely to use your voice uh, to preserve preserve the earth, to make sure our waterways are clean, to make sure that we're living in harmony with with all the animals and insects and, you know, the world in itself. We are an entire ecosystem. Our planet is so important. So uh, I feel that by giving um, an opportunity for people to celebrate themselves through our recycled clothing and accessories, not only do they get the warmth and comfort, but they get this little extra, you know, um, edge to be themselves, to speak out, to um, live their truth. And that really excites me. So what is it about the upcycled fashion that you create that allows for that to happen? (laughs) One of the things that I learned right off is that, well, for me, I love the sort of multifarious nature of the material. The fact that I couldn't control the colors that came in, I, you know, try as I might, I'm in the business of creating trend, not following trend, because um, my material is random. So it's my job to um, sort of make something beautiful out of that. And what I loved when I was at my table is thinking about all the different people in the world and the colors and the things that they look good in. Just even the hat designs were specifically designed after um 
face shapes and problem issues for people so they could really have hats that um, fit them well, uh, that really sort of accentuated their face shapes and, you know, their hair, whatever it was that that they needed to take care of. So um, the the differences and sort of that randomness of the material really spoke to the diversity of humans worldwide. And I love that reflection. It's so exciting to me. It's what inspires me at my color tables when I am creating these individual pieces. I mean, how many designers make one-of-a-kind things through their career? I mean, I I don't know how, I mean, there must be over a million <laughs> one-of-a-kind ecologic pieces out in the world, which is um, really cool. It's so cool. <laughs> yeah. And I think that one of the things that we as textile upcycling entrepreneurs kind of ascertain and figure out and until pretty recently in, in my career, I never was able to kind of articulate and clearly understand the magic. And, I, and maybe the word magic gets overused, but there's this innate creative uh, transformation that happens in so many aspects of what we do. We are limited by the our commitment to upcycling to start with. Yes. Then we need to figure out in order to make a viable business, we need to figure out how, how are we going to price things? How are we going to make things so that there's a system in place? So yes, we are making one of a kind things, but we also need to know that it's not painstakingly reinventing the wheel every single time. So we kind of institute, right? These processes that allow for us to have one of a kind ness, if you will, yes. within the scope of a production process that is, again, creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we are offering our our customers, and, and let me just say that you are offering your customers because honestly, the production um, that I do is very limited at this time in my career. And I see that you're, you know, you're, you're really, you're, you're kind of, way of, you know, pushing your career forward has been to just dig right into that and and really offer this creative dressing option for your customers, creative jobs for your employees. You continue to grow and evolve and design with creativity with those parameters in place and knowing how to, you know, to uh, scale scale in a business that, you know, everybody told me back in the day, and I'm sure you've heard the same, oh, you can't scale that. Like, how are you going to do that? You know, and <laughs> well, <that's laughs> let me show you. Yeah, we, we can't exist. We can't do it the, the way that we do. You can't possibly make yeah. kind things for people. Yes, you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, and- harder. I mean, obviously, I mean, like, I'm sure for you, it's the same. It like, a lot of designers are not on the production floor every day. And um, that's something that I definitely do. I've found my ways to power work to make that um, something that's really enjoyable and not stressful for me. Um, part of the reason I'm able to do that is like, I have such an amazing group, uh, you know, a team. I mean, we're a very small team. There's um, just four, four and, you know, 
uh, a third of us, <laughs> four and a third. Yeah. Myself, <laughs> husband, Charlie, um, Victoria, Grayson, and then Sarah Moonlights to, to help us out. Um, but, you know, they, they, I'm so fortunate that um, these amazing people came and found me and wanted to work with me and learn this process. And so they really take some of the pressure out. I don't have to worry that my parts or my things are organized in particular size and color order. It, that happens for me. And I can really focus on the more complicated um, components of, of designing and process. Yeah. And strategy yeah. of driving your business forward, right? Yeah. Like um, in teaching by example, there's like you said, um, when we started chatting, there's like such a nice uptick and, and sort of, I don't know if it's a resurgence or maybe just a surge in people really thinking about how they consume textiles and who, what kind of businesses they want to support and how, when they spend their dollars, they are actually voting to support the person they give those dollars to. So Maybe talk a little to that. This just gives me goosebumps. I get so excited. Um, I mean, there were different parts of uh, my career over the last 25 years. I remember it was probably about 2012, 2011, when customers started to tell me the reasons that I make the work, uh, to, you know, talking about, um, you know, labor around the world and, and rivers and mountains and communities being polluted by textiles and, you know, um, the landfill issues and how they wanted to buy local, they, uh, you know, U.S. made, handmade and recycled, which it took a long time. I mean, think about that. I, I started in 1996. It wasn't until 2012 that I really felt, wow, the light bulb went out. And now we're talking like 2022. And what I see is the, the switch has flipped. The faucet is on. And when I go out um, to sell my work and talk to the community, it's just overwhelming what they're thinking about. They are changing their lives in the way you and I changed our lives so many years ago. And um, they're thinking about how they're consuming, how they're discarding, um, what they're investing in. They're definitely using their money to um, empower their community. They're voting with their dollar. Uh, we just have this uptick of really educated, passionate people that have, you know, come into our path and uh, nothing could excite me more. I mean, I, I met a 13-year-old budding fashion designer um, in Columbus, Ohio recently, and we just had some of the best chats about how to, you know, build your life and that um, following your dream and your passion about recycling and educating and making all of these decisions in life is... Um, it's really enriching because it touches everything. Once you dive in, you it can be overwhelming because you realize, oh my gosh, I, I don't really want that plastic. And I, you know, I, I've been hearing about, you know, plastic particles coming off in laundry. Maybe I should wear natural fibers. So um, it's really thrilling to be on this new leg of the journey with so many awake, passionate people, people ready to take action. Oh, I, I feel the same way. And it, it, like you, the little hairs on the back of my neck just stand up thinking back 
to those years of gentle, compassionate, gentle, compassionate, yes. <laughs> and more gentle, compassionate education and people, you know, saying things that you might not imagine actually saying out loud. Is it clean? <laughs> yes. Is it, okay? you know, is it okay? like, you know, really stepping all the way back into that beginner's mind oh. and really trying to help people understand why this is actually not only a good idea for a creative business, but a necessity in our in our biosphere to support the 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 rest of us, right? The rest of us are being on the planet, not just the humans, and actually humans as well, of course, because we are all, like you said, connected. Um, and it's it is just what a breath of fresh air to have people honestly understanding that it actually is maybe a little bit more fun to have less and participate more yes. in um, not being so, um, you know, reducing the level of maybe that comp- competitive mindset of, you know, more is better, whoever dies with the most toys wins kind of thought process, which was like the 90s, I think, yes. was like the height of that sort of mindset, right? Maybe, I'm hoping. Um, <laughs> so, um you know, hopefully that won't come back around. But, um, and I don't think this is a trend. I think that there's a a real awareness of the fragility of our planet. Yes. Um, so, you know, that comes into it and then I get, you know, it gets a little kind of doom and gloomy when I start thinking about, you know, when we all start looking at the numbers and looking at, you know, the science behind how humans have impacted our environment. And, you know, I choose to look at things in a way that is empowering and helpful to people and doesn't, you know, I, I feel like sometimes the way our um, our impact is presented really shuts people down. Yeah. And I love the way that Ecologic um, as a brand is really celebrating the possibilities right and the the you know encouraging a 13 year old fashion designer like that's what we all need to be doing right like this is just so speak a little bit about how your um your life path and your future is uh connected to helping people feel positive yes uh, it's just such a really important aspect uh, because the overwhelm is real. But uh, the flip side of that is once you start taking baby steps in, into the sort of eco thinking and living, um, more light comes in, more more community connection comes in. Um, you know, you go to the farmer's market, the vegetables taste better. Uh, it's like the, the same thing with the clothing. You know, when you're wearing an ecologic sweater that just fits you perfectly and it's in your colors and everyone notices right away because fashion is not just for the person wearing it. It's a gift to everyone else. When you see somebody so beautifully put together, somebody that's really celebrating themselves, we all get happy. <laughs> so um, for me, that was sort of the way I was able to get into the market so early before we actually had created a customer base um, because um my I, my concept was like if you make it so beautiful that they can't resist, they're actually going to peek into how it was made, and then they're going to seek out special items like that. So um, you know, I, I I find that 
that that's really true. What I, the stories that I hear from my customers are are truly incredible. You know, people say, "Oh, you know, Kathleen, if if I'm not feeling great, I'm just in one of those little gray spaces in in my mind and and uh, soul, and I put one of your pieces on, and I go out to the grocery store." I come back feeling good because somebody connected with me. They said I looked great. Somebody smiled at me. And that's really amazing that objects um, can can do that. They can really uh, bring comfort and joy and connection. Um, and that I wanted to put my environmental message in a place that the people would take that message and connect with each other. And thus, the one thing that I have found um, over these 26 years is that the product is still out there doing that. So, sometimes I see 25-year-old product out there that is still doing that to this day. And um, I, I don't that's see just this beautiful. A that's a more powerful place to do work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is just beautiful. I remember, you know, back in the day when I was uh, just trying to imagine, like, how how do I get my message out there? And I feel like because our paths have been so parallel that this is probably kind of, kind of resonate with you too. And just thinking about like, yes, I have this environmental mission that I'm on, but I'm also on a mission of, you know, feeling good and having fun and engaging with people and having there be a festive um, element to everyday life. Right. And just really uh, allowing for others to find that as well. Mm-hmm. And then thinking, well, if you wear something that is representative of how you are in the world, whether it be an ecologic sweater or, you know, a, a, you know, what any kind of thing, right? Colorful, Clothing, whatever, style, clothes, yeah, yeah. culture, family. I mean, Yes. Handmade of any kind, right? Like my my kind of general rule of thumb with my own wardrobe if, is if it's not handmade, it needs to be recycled, whether it's thrifted or, you know, whatever, like it needs to be a pass me down or it needs to be handmade. And I feel like that is such a simple and easy gift to give. Mm. And it just doesn't ever stop giving. No, it just never, you know, and it's, and, you know, even, you know, if a sweater that, that you made 25 years ago was passed from mother to daughter over a generation, like it still continues that path. And those ripples are traveling out from that. They don't, the people wearing the sweaters don't even understand the impact that they're putting in the world by simply getting dressed yes right yeah <laughs> wow so um it- <laughs> a funny story i mean the, for me you know see i i'm sure you react the same way when when you see a piece come up on poshmark or something like that i actually um was you know my supplier mentioned to me one day that i was making work too well <laughs> and i said <laughs> well what do you mean <laughs> And they say, well, Kathleen, when we see your recycled sweaters that, you know, you bought the raw material for us from us. And then when we see your pieces come through, they go right back into first quality. (laughs) 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 That's not really, you know, that's 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 
obviously, and most people are um, making things for obsolescence, and, and I'm doing exactly the opposite. And so he thought that was very curious. But I was like, well, no, you know, that's kind of the point. <laughs> We're keeping it out of the landfill for an extended period of time and making things that are cherished. <laughs> Isn't that interesting, too? Like, there, there's like this, this, Eight, well, I don't know if it's age old, but it's certainly um, throughout my lifetime, there's been just exactly what you said. You know, obsolescence is the way that you make money. You know, you sell soap and candles because they run out and you got to go buy more. And it's just um, interesting to think about that. You know, what are the ramifications, like the long term ripples that come out from making a product? like yours and like mine that are actually designed to be cherished and used for generations. How, you know, where does that go? Like where it's kind of an interesting concept to just imagine how, you know, I mean, most of the things that, that I make are, well, I, and I think for you too, like the, uh, you know, cashmere and wool, there's the dreaded moths, which do um, come into play. Um, in the long term, right? It's a natural flavor. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. like yeah. the thing is, your dog is going to love the cashmere as much as you do. Your cat is going to do the same. The moths want yeah. to build their families there. So do the mice. Because, and they're yeah. going to do yeah. that to your polyester and the other things that are polluting the planet. They're coming for your best materials. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I think that that should say something to other human beings. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Right. It's so interesting. And there are ways, you know, it's like when you, if you're going to throw your cashmere in a dark, um, undisturbed corner, um, it's going to be found and utilized <laughs> by these creatures. But if you keep it washed and, you know, sealed or freeze and, and, and have a, a way of um, treating it, uh, you're going to be fine. I, I mean, I don't know about you. Uh, Christina, but you know, I'm sure your household is the same. It's just full of wool. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Totally. Yep. I mean, you would think that we would just have moss, but we don't because of the way we manage and that we use it. And you know, it's not. It's not. Yeah. And really, where I think I was um, going with the question was more like. You know, I, I got I got diverted by the moths because you know, um, sometimes I get donations from people, and it's like you know, you open the box really carefully outdoors because if there's moths in there, I just I don't want them in my studio or in my life at all. So, um, can, I, but can I tell the, funny the, stories? <laughs> yes, please tell joke, a funny story. We joke about Mothra. <laughs> Because, you know, sometimes we're out in the world and, you know, today people don't really know about natural fibers. And so they may not know how to care for their woolens that they've just brought out. And I mean, I, I have seen Mothra became a joke in our family because people will take these, you know, um, garments out of the closet and not realize that the little flecks of dust or the spider web type thing is actually moths. And they're walking around the world <laughs> bringing their moth yeah. eggs with them. And uh, so we, we have code word, you know, Mothra. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what can you do? I mean, because you you feel so bad because you want to educate them. You don't want to freak them out. But 
Yeah. Also, yeah, really but- prefer that they don't come near the booth. <laughs> yeah. Keep walking. Yeah. Please. Yeah. 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 That's that is hysterical. And it's like, yeah, I totally I'm I'm on you with the Mothra. I'm I'm gonna use that myself. That's hysterical. That is so funny. And it's true. Like people don't know. And it's it's part of like that gentle and compassionate education yes. that now that we've gotten people to pay attention to the consumption factor, now we can start talking to them about the care and you know the longevity that's that's built into careful care of the things that you spend money on. And I guess that kind of circles back around to the whole model around buying and producing things that are designed to be, you know, used for a long period of time. And in in my head, that means, you know, it's okay to spend money on things that are going to last you a long time. And it's also okay to not have you know, not shop. Yeah. You don't have to shop all the time. You can shop when you find something that is really speaks to you and is super special. And, you know, be very selective and and buy things. You know, I remember um, I had a pair of jeans when I graduated high school that I, I think I literally wore them for seriously like 20 years. And they were Levi's. Levi's do not make jeans like that anymore. Yeah. Those that's not an option with the you know and the, with that particular brand. But there are brands out there, and maybe the pair of jeans cost two hundred or two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah. But if they're going to last me for twenty years, it's a valid purchase. I mean, yeah, you might have to save up, and yeah, you might not want to go, you know, spending handfuls of money on things that are of lesser quality that are going to wear out or not fit you properly in a shorter period of time. Uh, it's thoughtful consumption, right? It's, yes. it's, it's planned. And I feel like that is kind of um, a frontier that, that might be something to address as we move into the future with, you know, the response to fast fashion and that education factor that we've both really been in, um, you know, pretty deep for the, our careers um, and thinking about how to, t- you know, kindly and thoughtfully tell people like, you know, it's not cheaper if you shop at Walmart. Yes. It's well, not cheaper it, if you spend, you know. It often it's more expensive. I mean, I, I, I had, um, I, I wear my cashmere skirts very often. I really love wearing them. And, um, you know, that means I'm wearing them maybe more than other products um and uh so i just sort of calculated oh that one that i loved so much lasted me seven years or more and actually now i just have to darn up a hole and it can be my casual skirt but just amortizing that i mean that is a 33 dollar investment over the seven years of seriously heavy wear so 33 dollars a year to have a skirt that i love and wear at least 30 to 40 times a year Right. So that right. And it's it's handmade and it's recycled and it's cashmere. So it's snuggly and gorgeous. And and and, you know, the pieces of the puzzle that many people are unaware of is that, you know, when you're wearing a cashmere skirt that you made or someone in your studio made, you know that that person was well treated. Yes. Where, you know, if you wear a skirt from Target or or Walmart or Shine or Sheen or whatever, um, you can pretty much rest assured that that person who made that article of clothing was was certainly not well treated, exactly. not paid fairly, not um, 
celebrated for being creative in their lives. So it all kind of, all of the pieces um, kind of fit together. And I just love to watch that unfold in your business and, and see, you know, people, I mean, I've seen people wearing Ecologic in the wild and I just think that I, it makes my heart sing. I just think, Look at that. I, I know who made your sweater. And, um, you know, it's just it's a lot of fun. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I, it's always so much fun when people start talking about them. I'm like, yes, you know the best. Yeah. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. Before you were talking um, a little bit about the magic and you were concerned that, oh, maybe that word is used so much. But I don't know. I, I truly believe there is magic. And I always say there's a little magic and a lot of love in everything that, that we put together. And what's unusual about my studio, I actually know that um, those other people that are in my studio, they are approaching it the same way. And, and I've actually asked that of them because I think that intention, that creativity, that spark, I think it goes into the work and it, it multiplies. So yes, I, I think that intention as you're creating work is, is important. So please, everybody put your magic and put your love in the work because over the years, I see that it, it, it goes somewhere. It multiplies. It, it is doing its job. Oh, that is so lovely. I love, love, love that idea and that thought. And just, it's like, you know, you see um, food often, you know, made with love restaurants that have like that on their menu. And it's the same thing. It's, it's, it's so, um, I, I believe that as well. I feel, you know, human energy is so much more important and powerful than anyone actually can document. Yeah. Um, so, well, with that, I think we should just talk a little bit about how people can get their hands on a little piece of your magic. Um, do you have, uh, you have a beautiful website and um, I would love to have you share a little bit about just kind of like your annual cycle of how and where people can find you and, and try your things on um, maybe in person as well as maybe online. Yes. Well, um, I do juried art shows around the country and I have the website. And if you are fortunate enough you come to Troy, New York, uh, you can um, come and join us at the studio. So um, feel free to make an appointment. If you are in town, I welcome that. But a lot of times to see my work, you want to see me at juried art shows. Right now, I'm about ready to go on the road. I'm going to be doing um, the Ann Arbor uh, art show, the original, uh, the Bellevue Art Museum in Seattle and um, Jackson, Wyoming Art Festival. Uh, and then when I return, I will be attending um, the Hamptons Classic and then um, uh, a few shows at Devon. And then we go into full season in the fall. Um, and I hope that you will be able to see me at Grand Central. Uh, so the list and information of the shows that I do uh, is on the website at the front front page. Um, and our newsletter is really kind of fun. I put the newsletter out sort of whenever I have something important to say uh, every two mm -hmm. weeks. I don't do it consistently through the summer, um, but 
I always send something out to tell you where I'm going to be. I love featuring the new work so you can actually see the collections that come out because Ecologic is never the same. Uh, and people say, well, I do not want a sweater until the fall. I tell them, start looking now because in the in the summertime is when I really have time for creativities. For So some of the more funky, original, interesting pieces are going to be happening now and they're going to disappear really quickly. So um, just connecting through that newsletter um, and online is is perfect. And please come and see me in person when you can. Awesome. Um, Thank you a lot. With a K. I think it's E-K-O-L-O-G-I-C.com. It's an echo as an exaggeration. (laughs) Echoing the past, preserving the futures. Why it's named. That's beautiful. (laughs) That is beautiful. I love that. And we will have all um, Kathleen's information and links on the show notes for this episode. So not to worry if you didn't catch that, but it is ecologic, E-K-O-L-O-G-I-C.com. You will find Kathleen's um, product and story there. And um, please do look her up and, and, and seek her out in person if you're in the area where she'll be selling. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to share your journey and, um, and methodology and philosophy with all the people who will be listening to this. And um, I just celebrate you and all the work you've done. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Christina. And uh, I I feel the same way about you. And I'm just thrilled uh, for the community. So thank you so much. You're you're welcome. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, so I'm over here and I'm serving you a giant air hug because you just finished another episode of the Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast. Thank you for being with me. Our music is provided by The Lucky Five. Learn more about them at theluckyfive.com. Our show is produced and edited by Van Hyacin. If you want to dive in deep, head over to Rags to Riches Textile Upcycling Podcast.com. Today's episode of Rags to Riches podcast is brought to you by the Stitcherhood Recycling Society, my online membership community for creative textile upcycling, recycling, and reuse entrepreneurs. Inspiration, shared experience, tutorials, business savvy, and connection to a whole posse of people who understand the passion and intricacies of running an environmentally kind creative textile upcycling biz. Daily posts, weekly stitch hours, book recommendations, group chats, member profiles, and strong connections is what you can expect when you join Stitcherhood. Head on over to stitcherhood.crispina.eco and sign up for a free seven-day trial to see if my Stitcherhood Recycling Society is a good fit for you and your textile upcycling business.